So when we were growing up, I'm sure, you know, most all of us had a teacher that just had uh, unreasonably high expectations that pushed us harder than what, you know, we ever thought we could do. And at the end of it, right, I think, uh, you know, I know for me personally, I performed and did better than what, you know, I knew I could do. And I think I learned a lot from that experience. I think what it says is a lot of it, you know, teachers, leaders have to act as coaches, but in certain cases, they have to do a lot more and push us a lot harder because they might know our boundaries better than we do. Because mm. they're probably seeing tons of kids come and go. Yeah, and they can be a better judge of what we are capable of than in some cases we are. So welcome to Bear Leadership. I'm Johnny Wynn, artist, adventurer, and student of leadership. My name is Jeremy Parsons. I'm a father, project manager, and, uh, you know, student of leadership. And thanks for joining us again, where we give you a short dose on leadership and productivity through our stories and hopefully some of our humor. So I guess the topic here is... What is the topic? What is the topic? What is the topic, my friend? Well, the topic is, you know, really acting as coaches as a good leader, and and how do we how do we get our uh, our teams to be better, and and what are some of the things that we uh, need to do in order to kind of um, coax the most out of out of our our team, the most out of the people that work with us. So I feel like if you're new to this topic, to a degree, right? What I you've been be living a, under a rock for a little well, while? It was like what I got to be a coach to people? Am I a therapist? Uh, well, I spent a lot of time with just people crying work, in my office. Just get your work done. You know, here's your task. Go get it done. Hey, we're gonna call you Kim Jong Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just playing devil's advocate because you only get your ration of rice if you do your job. <laughs> Why does he got to be rice? It's true. But. I, well, it was the Kim Jong thing. <laughs> Sorry, I know you're Vietnamese, not not Korean. True, my totally, bad. totally my bad. different. Yeah. No, no offense intended. So I, I guess we're trying to persuade our audience to take the time to be a coach, right? To care enough about the people around you. I guess that piece of it's pretty much common sense. So what's the what's the leap between the phrase taking care of your people and the phrase of being a coach? Like I, I feel like we're intending something more behind that you know what i found personally is that you know in a lot of today's culture we have this set where we have to take care of our people well we do you know we have a we have a priority and we have a responsibility to take care of our people but that doesn't mean we have to baby them what what part of our job is as leaders is understanding what their capabilities are and pushing them to perform to the extent of those capabilities. Because ultimately, if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, self-actualization is at the top of that. People want to be at the top of their performance and they want to contribute in a meaningful way. And if I hold them back from that, I am costing them their happiness. I think that's a great point. But you only achieve the uh, self-actualization, the the um, self-piece of it, only if you as a leader have covered their other bases to agree. Yeah, and, well, and, and, I mean, you know, I'll give them that, food. Right? I'll give them food. <laughs> now, rest, <laughs> hey, we can talk about. Here's a granola bar. No. 
Uh, but but that, that's part of, again, you know, this is basic leadership 101, right? Get to know your employees, get to know your team, because if you know they're suffering at home, like the, we had like Hurricane Harvey just come through Houston, Hurricane Irma just come through here through Florida. And if you don't know the basics of what they're struggling at home about, how are they even going to concentrate at work about the, the, the high peak of the pyramid, right? So, th- so, th- so that's a basic point right there, too. Absolutely fair. Yeah. But if we set mediocre expectations, mm-hmm. we will get mediocre results. People are inherently more capable than we give them credit for in most instances. Yeah. Now, what I was getting at, though, is you have to look at each person. You have to understand what they are truly capable of. And in many instances, you can push them to a point where even they're not sure what they're capable of. And... You know, again, right, what I was yeah. kind of telling you about, like, a teacher, right? You know, so so for me, I had I had multiple teachers. There was one that, that stuck out in my mind where, man, he was a, he was a grinder. You know, he would, he would just push you, and you were like, man, that guy's the biggest jackass I've ever known in my life. But in that time period, I learned more and gained more yeah. life skills from that one guy who was the biggest jackass, yeah. right, and how old were you? I'm pitching you in daycare, like five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I was marching in line. I was, you know, I learned how to. <laughs> uh, this was in high school, but okay. but um, you know, I, I had similar teachers in college. Yeah, yeah. But but you know, I, I learned a lot about how to how to study, how to how to apply myself, how to you know consistently do what needed to be done. Um, and, and I carried those exact same study skills and things like that into college, and they helped make me successful. This guy's name was Mr. Driscoll. He's one of the only names of teachers that I thoroughly remember, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but those skills helped carry me through, you know, very difficult times through college and stuff. Um, but he knew what we were capable of. And, and he did, by the way, assess it individually, you know, and he would come talk to us and stuff yeah. like that. So feedback is a huge component of this. And so I'm going to share a story of where I failed miserably at this probably. Is I was talking to an employee in the group. and I was assuming you were going to start with I was talking to a girl. <laughs> no, that rarely happens in my life. I was talking to an employee, and this particular person had it's, it's pretty much lost the trust of the team that he was leading, right? So he came to me and asked me, hey, Johnny, you know, I need some feedback. Tell me how I'm doing. What do you think I'm doing, right? So he asked me some point-blank questions. I, I was trying to be honest with him. I had, I had built what I thought was a, a baseline level of trust with the person. So he asked me, hey, Johnny, do you think I'm being effective anymore on this team? And I said no. A little harsh, but I was going to follow it up with some um, reasons why I thought that. And, but, and, of course, some... Um, advice on how to get past that point too, right? But the employee wasn't hearing it. As soon as I had said no, the person just shut down and he was out the door. And I was like, oh man, I did something terribly wrong in that situation. Instead of leaving people empowered and inspired to go charge and and do more, I just left a person totally demotivated and so forth. So I do think back upon that example and I was like, man, what else could I have done? I I, I don't want to sugarcoat it. I don't want to be like, Am I am I being effective, Johnny? And I say, yeah, of course you are. You know, like yeah. that. There's a bit of integrity and honesty that needs to come with it. Um, and maybe it's a little bit on on him too, where if you're asking for feedback, 
You have to be willing to yeah, receive it. You better put it on. And it's going to hurt. It yeah. could hurt, especially if it's coming from somebody who really cares and is going to be brutally honest with you. Um, I think humility is one of the greatest aspects of any leader today. You, you know, it, any, any leader that I truly respect can have or needs to have humility. Mm-hmm. One of the, one of the um, things that was suggested to me was that um, we go, well, is that I go to three people that I both love and trust. You know, so that could be like my wife, for example, mm-hmm. uh, close friends, people who know me very well. Mm-hmm. And I ask them, what Your are... pet dog. Uh-huh. Uh, the pet dog would be the only one that actually gave me positive feedback, <laughs> potentially. <laughs> Um, but, but I asked them what are, you know, what are some of my glaring, uh, personal defects, right? Mm -hmm. And my character defects. And then I'd be willing to actually listen to them and start to kind of work with them. And, and so, you know, these things hurt, right? And I'm going to, I'm going to hear them and I'm going to be very defensive. But if I cannot face those things with humility and to begin to work on them, then I'm blind to them, right? Um, and by the way, I have hundreds of personality defects. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you've said with me, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so, so we do dive into this topic with one of our other episodes about getting a board of mentors. And what we're talking about here is almost on the flip side, which is if you're the coach, if you're the leader, um, it's like how do you leave them inspired and leave them with advice and coaching that, that actually propels them onward a little bit. And part of that is doing that tough conversation. It's giving that tough feedback in a way. And it takes a little bit of practice. It takes, um, I, I, I truly believe there is a way to deliver the feedback in a way that is not mean, hmm. but actually delivers the core content of what they need to work on. I've and, really and only left it with sarcasm at this point. <laughs> that is that is really my go-to tool. <laughs> sarcasm and laughter once they leave the room or something. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's a skill, and I think we cannot shy away from that yeah. piece right there. Well, I think it's our responsibility unequivocally that we have to provide truthful feedback, right? And so many of the leaders today shy away from that because they're afraid of conflict, and they're afraid of hurting someone's feelings, how can someone meet our expectations if we do not provide them what our expectations are, right? What I hate more than anything is that when we sit there as a management team and say, oh, that person isn't doing a good job, you know, they're not doing, they're not doing what they should be doing or they're failing on this, and then we turn around to their face and say, you're doing great, mm-hmm. great job. Mm-hmm. No, you know what? That is us failing as a management team, and we have to have the guts to stand up and say, Johnny, I don't think you're doing what you need to be doing in order to meet my expectations. Mm-hmm. Here's what I think you need to be doing in order to do better. And, you know, I think you can do it. Or if you can't, simply let's put you in a job that you can be successful at because ultimately you will be happier. And if I care about you as a person like I profess to, I want you to be successful. Not, I'm going to talk behind you behind your back Yeah, yeah. and, and set you up for failure. So... so- what if we come at it as a relationship, right? So forget the workplace for a degree, to, to a degree, and just picture this as a almost like a personal relationship as somebody in your life, right? So the relationship is getting kind of tough. 
you have a conversation about it, you give the feedback. As as much as that feedback may hurt the other person, it doesn't end there. There's a follow-up to it. There's a the day after or the week after. Hey, how are you doing? How can I help? Let, let me do something to actually help them and such. So it's not just the, here's the feedback. Good luck with it. Go off in your <laughs> life and do good with that data I just gave you right there. It's 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 a lot more than that. And maybe that's what we're talking about with coaching yeah. here. Coaching is the, you know, you're not the high wise man on the pedestal just doling out all these nice wisdom and such. Um, it's really the kind, the, the kindness of the heart afterwards to follow up with these things. Yeah. No, you're, you're, yeah. that's actually an excellent point. I, you know, what, so an instance, right, is there's a, um, <clears throat> a lead engineer that, that works with me. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so there was an instance where there was a big design kind of failure, right? And so because he's on my team, I feel a great responsibility to, to get his back, to help him kind of describe what happened, to help him uh, work with his senior management team to kind of do mm-hmm. that. So I sat down, we described expectations on you know how this should be remedied but um you know and so we had a very clear conversation about that right but what i also did is you know i helped him work through a presentation on how to describe that to senior management because he hasn't spent a lot of time doing that so i helped him put it in terms of you know how can we message this how can we take corrective actions how can we do these sorts of things you know so he I think I want him, and I wanted him to understand, I have his back. Yeah. I'm going to coach him through that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure that he has, you know, consistent, and he felt very comfortable coming to talk to me about these sorts of things. Um, and I will get his back, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's my job, you know. 90% of my job should be ensuring that these guys have support and whatever they need yep. to get the job done. Totally. No, I, I, that, that, that's fantastic because... What I heard there when you're telling that story was all throughout, you're building a trust with the person such that this person knows that you have their back and it's not just a, you know, a one and done kind of thing. But I also spent some time saying this was, this was not acceptable as it was. We Mm -hmm. need to take fully corrective measures. And I also had, you know, a good hour long conversation with them about what are my expectations for, uh, attendance. What are my expectations yeah. for communication? What are my mm-hmm. expectations for him listening to my hierarchy and yeah, yeah. Um, providing feedback? So and I, I laid all that out for him. So I kind of want to go back to one of your earlier points, which was um, it, it delves into keeping the um, core values of a leader. And what I'm trying to get at is like, so if you're a coach, coaching your team or coaching other coaches, right? You, at some point in our careers, hopefully we become leaders of other leaders and the values that we hold true to ourselves becomes even more important, I feel, right? Because a lot of times we throw around words like integrity and trust and value added and yeah, and everybody's like just acknowledge, of course we need that kind of stuff. I do feel like at the um, leaders of leaders uh, stage, it gets even more important. It, it becomes such a a sharper tool that you have to really hone. And the example that came out, Jeremy, was when you were talking about how we know some leaders just talk about their employees kind of behind their back, and then when they get confronted with them, they're like, oh, yeah, you're doing a fantastic job, right? Like that little bit right there 
is huge because where is the integrity in that piece right there, right? If, if you can't say it in front of the employee's face, then what are you doing talking about them behind them and such? Yeah. And that happens everywhere almost. And it's very easy to get caught up on that because getting caught up in it may build some different types of relationships or different types of reports, but to hold true to your values, I think that, that that's a big piece in coaching. A- absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I, I guess maybe I feel a just a ridiculous responsibility that if I'm getting paid to do a job and I have a performance problem from someone, I have to address it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. I'm being paid by the, you know, to yeah. go do a function, yeah. right? So if I don't address that, I am in dereliction of duty. Yeah. No, that, 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 I think that's not a great point. Or me personally, as a natural habit of mine, I am a bit conflict avoidant. I don't enjoy having these tense conversations, especially in my own relationships, right? So, but at work, again, maybe it's a performance aspect to it where this is my job. I get paid to do this piece of it and I want to do it well. So I would take it seriously and I will go confront these situations as needed. It's not pleasant. It's not what I want to do, but it's what you... I freaking love conflict. Oh, I thrive. (laughs) No, I I absolutely hate it. But, but it's, it's, um, I'm a duty driven person. Yeah. Right, so I I think it was beat into me, maybe quite literally, by my (laughs) Marine Corps father, Um, and and so I I have a great sense of duty, right? And so if I am paid to do a job, that is absolutely part of the job, right? Yeah, maybe there's another layer to it too, where I I know behind the scenes for both of us, hopefully, is this attitude of servitude, where we serve the employees at every level. It doesn't matter what level we are at in management, we serve the people. So. I can't serve them very well if I'm ignoring their um, pitfalls or some traits that could be adjusted or you know improved upon and such. So I'm not serving them the best I can if I'm ignoring certain things and not confronting them yeah. and giving them the feedback and that's, that's holding them back. Almost always, I I've, I don't think I've really ever come across except maybe once or twice a situation where someone truly doesn't want to do a good job, right? Um, right. You know, yeah. I, I don't think yeah. like... You know, people talk about, you know, people like that, but that is almost never the case. There's always a, you know, the situation where the, someone is in the wrong job, they're mm-hmm. bitter about something that's been done to them, or certain circumstances are preventing them from doing their job appropriately. And I always find it is, you know, better or my role to either place them in the right job or to remove those obstacles. Now, there has been instances where we can't do that, and maybe somebody needs to be removed. But more often than not, we can remove those obstacles and let somebody perform. And I've had instances where mm-hmm. you move someone to another job, and they just flourish. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yes, yes, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. what we're doing, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is why we're here. Because I know, you know, these people aren't, you know, they don't want to come to work every day for 40, 50 hours a week and not do well, mm-hmm. everyone wants to do well. Yeah. At least I wholeheartedly yeah, yeah. believe that. We just have to enable them to do so and make them passionate again. That's what I mean by you know being a coach, right? A coach of a great team, they can elicit every great player out there. I mean, that's why you know some of these teams that have all the money in the world can have the best players and still not win every single game, right? Mm-hmm. Because you have to have a team with inspirational leadership and you have to have a team with high expectations 
<laughs> My and dog. a panting dog. <laughs> and a panting dog in the background. <laughs> I think she agrees. Um, all right. So, yeah. so what are some of the final points we want to leave with our audience here? So coaching involves... Fear. Fear. Fear and <laughs> sarcasm. <laughs> no, that's natural to us. Oh, oh okay. No, no, no. Yeah. So coaching requires, uh, let me just rattle some off here. So definitely an attitude of servitude. That's the mindset to go into these things with. Yeah. I think, I think it, and it involves setting expectations, communicating them, and understanding how hard you can push people and still uh, have them perform. And I'll add, it's a relationship. So treat it delicately. Um, you know, and it's, and it's not just a one-time situation. It's an entire relationship for the long duration. Yeah. And you got to care about them. They have, you know, everyone has yeah. to know. I mean, like you said, with attitude of servitude, yeah. you got to care deeply about your team. You got to be humble about it. Yeah. <laughs> and which means you have to be accepting of your faults and know what you bring to it. All right. Well, thanks for uh, listening again to our episode on Bear Leadership. Um, please go ahead and rate us uh, five stars if you feel like it um, on iTunes or whatever podcast you're listening um, us through. That is our expectation for you. <laughs> We're coaching you to leave five stars. Um, and we'll see you again next time. Thanks again. Yeah.